This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today I've got a special return guest on the podcast. His name is Mark Wayne Mullen. So he has been on this podcast a whole lot lately, and for good reason, because he is making his final push to become a member of the United States Senate. So he is running to represent the state of Oklahoma as one of his two senators. So he defeated his runoff opponent, T.W. Shannon, back in August after garnering about 66% of the vote. He came on episode 340 of this podcast, and he came on a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember the episode number, but he's talking a lot about what is concerning to Americans that are voting in this election cycle. Because guys, if you're listening to this on time, we are less than three weeks away from the midterm elections. He's currently in Congress. He's a United States House of Representatives member representing the second congressional district of Oklahoma, but he's not just that. He's also a businessman. He runs Mullen Ranch and other businesses. He also is a former MMA fighter, so we love that. So he's 3-0. and He's not afraid to get a little bit crazy on the mats. But in this particular episode, again, this is his final push, right? So at the end, he's going to give his final plea to the voters of Oklahoma as to why they should pull the lever for him on November the 8th. But we talk about what he thinks about his race and how he's very excited to basically sprint through the finish line. Again, he breaks down why he thinks the GOP is not just going to take the House, but also the Senate. But then we dig into inflation. So that's the number one thing on everybody's uh, minds right now, especially, you know, when you go to the grocery store and when you're buying just about anything, the prices don't even make sense. I mean, every time you go to the grocery store, it is just absolutely flummoxing what you're looking at and the types of things you're having to deal with in your families. And a lot of people that, that listen to this show, maybe you've got a good amount of money and this doesn't bother you, but the overwhelming majority of people in America, they are really, really hurting right now. So I ask them, hey, if the GOP does take over the House and the Senate, what can you actually do with the Biden administration running the White House and running the Fed and running all the different things? that they do. What can you do? So I really like the detail he got into on that particular question. But then also I asked him about something because maybe you don't know this about Mark Wayne Mullen, but he is like really, really good friends with Tulsi Gabbard. He actually called Tulsi his sister. Like that's how they consider each other. And again, last week, if you're listening to this on time, that's all anyone could talk about was the fact that Tulsi Gabbard left the Democratic Party. And she did so by posting this video online. And then she went on Joe Rogan and she went on, you know, Tucker Carlson show and all these different things, basically explaining why she's leaving the Democratic Party. So he has a little bit of knowledge that people maybe didn't know that this was coming for a while. And so he gave us some insight on some of the conversations that they've been having. But guys, it's a fantastic opportunity to have a guy like Mark Wayne Mullen on our show. We're so excited to have him on the show. And again, I just want to also remind you guys, since you are jujitsu guys and he's a jujitsu guy and I'm a jujitsu guy, we are sponsored by Origin Main. Well, you can't exactly say sponsor. We're like partners, right? We're we're basically like brothers. We're like blood brothers here, but we just love everything that they're doing over there at Origin and Origin Maine. So on the Origin side, they've got the best skis on the planet. They've got boots. They've got jeans, but also on the Jocko Fuel side, they've got his protein shakes. They've got you know his energy drinks. They've got all the different supplements over there. Guys, we want you to make sure that you use their products. We want you to make sure that you're supporting a company that makes every single thing that they produce here in the United States. Every single thing you will buy from them is made 100% here in the U.S. by United States of America hands and the citizens of this country. So we love this company and want you guys to support them. But if you go to originmain.com or originusa, you can just plug in my promo code at checkout. That's just my first name, Kyle. That's K-Y-L-E to get 10% off of your order at Origin Maine. That will be in the show notes. So guys, use my promo code Kyle to get 10% off your order. But I'm not going to keep Mark Wayne from you any longer. So without further ado, let's get into it. Mark Wayne Mullen, welcome back to Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. 
Thanks for having me on, man. Your your beard looks sharp. I don't. I mean, you look all trimmed and good, and I'm just like, wow. I need to go to the barber or something. Well, here's the thing. I was gonna make this my last question of the day because I need to de- deflect some of the attention off of my fantastic beard. Um, <laughs> back to you for a little bit, okay? Because this was gonna be my last question of the day, but I'm going to blow it up and I'm gonna ask you now. If you are elected to the United States Senate, will you keep the beard? Because I feel like some guys, they're like, oh, you know, I'm in the Senate now. And, you know, maybe I'll try the beard for a little bit and then get rid of it. Like what Ted Cruz did or something like that. Because I got to be honest with you, if you're not keeping the beard, I'm going to at least have some hesitation when I go in the booth on November 8th. Well, I got to tell you, Ted Cruz's beard looked awful. First of all, he couldn't grow a beard. so It wasn't the best. You can't, yeah. you can't compare that one. I would already shave my beard if it wasn't for my wife. Okay, I, a beard is a lot of work. I, I grew I grew it out because man, I'm tired of shaving. My lord, shaving takes three minutes. Trimming the beard up is forever. And uh, and so as soon as my wife tells me she wants it gone, it's gone. But it's been five years, six years, uh, maybe seven years. I think it's been seven years, six six years at least since um, I came back from overseas. And, um, and I shaved it and it was pretty bushy. My beard grows like this. It doesn't yeah. grow like a little fancy duck dynasty beard. My beard, yeah. like, like I look like a chia pet. And, um, and so I shaved it and she's like, mm, um, I kind of like the beard. And I was like, who is he? <laughs> no. I mean, he's, something's wrong here because for for 20 years of our marriage, you wanted me to be clean shaven when I came to bed. And now I've been gone for a while and now you want me to keep the beard. I, I mean, I just tell me who is it, who he is. No, what she did is she experienced the true grandeur of actual manhood and manliness. And she's like, yeah, daddy, give me some more of that. But here's the thing. If you do get into the United States Senate, I mean, then you're going to be invited to all those private, you know, eyes wide shut parties and all these other crazy different things. You'll probably have two different people that their only job will be to trim your beard for you. I mean, this is going to be, it's going to be all good, Mark Wayne. Oh, yeah. Man, I'll get into waxing and everything then. Yes, I'm all about that. As yes. long as we keep the waxing above the clavicles, we should be okay. But I guess we need to get into exactly what we, we want to have you on here for today. So the last time we had you on, which was just a few weeks ago, obviously we were talking about the race as it pertained to right then. But guys, if you're listening to this on time, we're less than three weeks away from the midterm. So November 8th are the midterm elections. They're right around the corner. So let's talk about your campaign first. Uh, you know, you're campaigning against uh, Democrat Kendra Horn, trying to get into Congress. I, I I've seen what the polls say. You probably have some different polls that we haven't seen, but tell me about your race. How's it shaping up? It's looking good. I mean, we set out um, in the um, end of February when we made our announcement, actually driving to the high school um, state tournament to, to coach my boys. Um, I, we set out down there and I, I made the announcement. We're in it to win it. And that hasn't changed. And so we're still driving hard. Our message has resonated. Uh, we're not getting in the weeds. Of course, she's gone negative, trying to do everything she can to come after us. I just ignore and run our race. What we, our whole theme of our race is to do the right thing the first time. That's if you get my challenge point, that's what it says on it. Do the right thing mm-hmm. the first time. It says my priorities are God, family, and then everybody else. If I take care of those two first priorities, I'm taking everybody else. And so what we want to do in this race is to let people know who we are. In the Eastern side of the state, they know who we are. Um, on the Western side of the state, they don't. So we've done really um, a really hard press on uh, advertising, honestly, us as a family, who we are as a family, what our stances are and why. And we've been pretty bold about those. We've been taking a strong stance 
on, on women's sports and, and making sure people understand that my daughters can compete with anybody as long as on a feet fair playing field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what title nine was all is what it was intended about uh, to take a strong stance on, on, on abortion. You know, we make it very clear that, um, we have three adopted kids, right? And, and I thank the Lord that those, um, uh, the biological, uh, birth mothers was brave enough to give us an opportunity to love three kids, uh, because if they would have chose the way out of abortion, these kids would have never had an opportunity to, to live a successful life. And Chris and I would never have an opportunity to have three more kids and, and love them dearly. Mm-hmm. And, and we make a very strong difference. And there's a big difference between us and our, our opponent in that. And it's resonated. And so we feel very, very confident, Kyle, where we're at. We're 20 days out. And, man, we're just ready to run through the tape. November 8th, we're like, just hurry up and get here. You know, it's like you've been training for, for a world competition for a long time. Let's, let's just get on the mat and get this thing over with. Yeah, let's get to the payoff. And, and that's the thing is whenever you look at any of the races that are being talked about in the news media, no one's ever really talking about your race. And there's a good reason for that. They're not really talking about the governor's race here in Oklahoma either. And there's a good reason for that. But the last time we had you on, you did a fairly in-depth breakdown of why you felt at least, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, that you felt the GOP was in a very, very good position to actually take back the Senate. Okay. That The House is pretty much a foregone conclusion. Again, even though the summer, it got a little bit dicey. But here we are again. Uh, the, the nation pretty much only wants to talk about uh, what's going on in Pennsylvania and Georgia. So you have Warnock and Herschel Walker there in Georgia, and then you've got John Fetterman and uh, Dr. Mehmet Oz up there in Pennsylvania. Both of those races are basically, you know, in Georgia, we're looking at a coin flip according to most of the polling, which again, if you want to trust polling, go for it. And then in Pennsylvania, now with John Fetterman essentially not being able to talk, which people are like, oh, you're being ableist if you're getting onto him for not being able to talk. It's like, you have to talk and reason if, if you're going to be in Congress. Like, I don't care if you're you're wheeled into Congress in a wheelchair. I care if your brain functions. And so that race is down into the low single digits, if you believe the polling. So now that we're about three weeks out, this is your last chance to tell my audience how you see the race, not just for your individual race, but for the Senate at large. So, as I said, we're going to win our race. We're feeling we're feel very confident. I've been on the road traveling um, nonstop. Uh, and, and when I mean traveling, not just inside Oklahoma, when I'm in Oklahoma, I'm traveling when I'm not in Oklahoma I mean, we're going all across the country. We've been in Atlanta. We've been in, uh, uh, we've been in Georgia twice, um, in Nevada with Adam Laxalt. Um, uh, we, we've spent time with, um, with, uh, uh, uh masters, uh, those names, uh, Blake masters and, uh, in Nevada, uh, we've been in New Hampshire, we've been in Dr. Oz. I feel very confident, Kyle, where we're at. I think um, I think uh, Herschel uh, pulls it off in Georgia. It's one of the nastiest races that I've seen. I mean, it is yeah. nasty. There's no question about it. It is absolutely nasty. But w- at the end of the day, no one has a better name ID in Georgia. And don't don't forget, Georgia football is doing pretty good right now. Um, right. And so they're, pre- they're pretty geared up about that. And that plays right in. I, I hate to say it, but it plays right into the hands of people showing up and voting. It's a complete 100% saturation. Uh, both people know have a have a complete 100% name ID. Uh, this is very much like Hillary Clinton and, and Trump. People know who they are and their minds already made up on them. And I feel positive that Herschel Walker is going to pull it off. It's not going to be a great upset, but he's definitely going to pull it off within the margin of errors. Uh, Dr. Oz, the deal that's going on in, doc, in Pennsylvania is, is, is it's, it's interesting because Dr. Oz hasn't done a whole lot to help himself but he hasn't hurt himself either. He's been very consistent. Fetterman is to the point now that people know that he's not going to finish six years. What's interesting there, though, is they don't want the governor because <clears throat> the governor isn't very popular. 
<clears throat> and in the way Pennsylvania works is if the senator has to resign for whatever reasons or because they can't do their duty or they, they pass away. I'm not saying Federman's going to pass away. I'm just saying that or they, they, they have to leave office. Mm-hmm. The governor gets to appoint the senator for the remainder of the term. And typically that senator then can go ahead and run for reelection. And so they, they don't want the governor to have that opportunity. So it's more against, it's turning out that their, their mind's made up about Fetterman, their mind's made up against uh, Dr. Oz, but the governor is playing a role in this thing now, and they're leaning towards Dr. Oz. So I think we still hold on to, to Pennsylvania. And if we hold on to Pennsylvania and we pick up uh, Georgia, <clears throat> then we're at 51. So we won the Senate. Uh, Adam Laxalt in Nevada is doing really good. He's going to win. That puts us at 52 I think Masters, Blake Masters in Nevada um, or in Arizona has a very good chance to win. And let me tell you, O'Day in Colorado, <clears throat> he's running a heck of a race. Um, independents are moving towards us. We now are at, we're dead, dead even with independents now. We're at 50-50 with, dead, with independents. That means that's a, uh, a, 20, um, a 23% pickup of independents for, for, the, for, um, uh, for the Republican Party because we've only been at 27%. And then we've also play in the fact that we're bringing in Hispanic votes. We're winning Hispanic votes right now for the first time since we measured Hispanic votes as mm-hmm. a separate entity. Uh, we're winning Hispanic votes. We'll both have a high population base in Colorado. If those move the way that they look like they're moving, then O'Day's going to win Colorado. That's a D plus six state. D plus six means that any Democrat should win by at least six points. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma were an R27, so any Republican should win by at least 20 plus points, 27 or so should be where you should be at. Um, and so we could win it. That right there puts us at 54. Now, I don't think we could win much more than 54, but we could win Washington State. We could win New Hampshire. We could win Vermont. Um, I don't I don't think we're going to win all seven because there's seven states at play. Mm-hmm. But I feel very confident we're going to win. So I appreciate going into that detail again. One quick question on Mehmet Oz, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because we have some other things I want to get to. Part of me is, okay, I think people in the state of Pennsylvania are treating that as almost a placeholder. Like, hey, we just need to get this person in and they'll vote with the party and they'll go from there. My concern as a Republican is that Mehmet Oz would be just like Mitt Romney in that he is more of a thorn in the GOP side than he is an advocate for GOP policies. And yeah. again, it's hard to say that now, but I mean, is there any is there any standing to what I'm saying or, or any of my fears there? Sure, I think it's legit, but you got one factor that is a hard factor to 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 measure is Trump. Remember, Trump came out for odds very early, and very strong. There's some loyalty there that is due, and uh, Trump has no problem with calling you out if you flip flop, if you if you if you duped him, uh, if you misled him. You, um, there's a, there's a wrath to pay on that one. You know, he does, if you're open and honest with who you are to begin with, fine, you guys will just be tit for tat. But if you actually come out and you decide to be something different than what you portrayed yourself to him and he tied his name to you, then there is a wrath coming after you and it's pretty heavy. Um, and, and I, I think, I think Trump did a good job at, uh, because he interviews you when you go and talk to him. It's an interview. It's a very in-depth interview. He's interviewed a lot of people in his life. Uh, I feel pretty good of the credentials of where he's going to be. We're going to look at things different, obviously, uh, on sometimes. But I think when push comes to shove, he's not going to be a Mitt Romney. Okay. Well, uh, that makes me feel a little bit better. Now, one of the reasons why you just mentioned the independents there, a lot of independents are trending towards the GOP right now. And there's, there's 
really good reason for that. One of the main reasons is because of what people are actually concerned about. People aren't concerned about whether or not their school will allow their kids to to go to the bathroom in the wrong bathroom or whether or not, you know, uh, they're, they're allowing these kids to compete against people from different gender. That's not what people are concerned about. They're concerned about their pocketbooks. They're concerned about gas prices. They're concerned about inflation. I mean, the other day, like my wife sent me to Los to grab some mulch and she's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're about five bucks a bag. They're like 13 bucks a bag for the mulch that we buy because like the last time we bought, they were around $5 and here we are almost triple the price. We're seeing it in everything and the everyday American is feeling that in the recent inflation reports. I feel like this is just kind of like a broken record. Every time they release an inflation report, it's the worst one we've seen in 40 years. And then we get another one and it's the worst one we've seen in 40 years. I guess the one good thing is at least Jimmy Carter lived long enough to see a president that was worse than him. And oh, so that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Sorry. That's a little bit of a brutal line, but the, the but that, that is absolutely true. And so is let, let's talk about the inflation reports because let's say you guys take over the house and the Senate, you still have Joe Biden in the white house kind of. So what exactly can this, the Congress do to help with what everyday Americans are actually struggling with? Well, let's go back and talk about the fact you're putting mulch down. You do know it washes out every time it rains. So I am fully aware of this. All right. Now, would you like me to clip this and show that to my wife so I can be like, hey, instead of mulch, how about we just put concrete down? I'm okay with concrete beds. Or or river rock, something that doesn't wash every time it rains. And not to mention mulch is a little bad about termites and it's not really termites in Oklahoma. So what a very poor decision making on your- You're preaching to the choir here, okay? Like this is just, I did my honeydew, so stop getting on to me. So let's talk about inflation. Inflation. Um, you know, the most homes in Oklahoma heat with gas because right. gas prices have been so low. So we don't, we're not an all electric um, house. There's very few homes in Oklahoma that are fully electric. And, and so a gas alone to heat your house this year was going to be a 28% increase. Yeah. 28% increase. Now you think about Oklahoma. Um, in, in District 2, which is all eastern side, the average household household income is a little over 40000 a year. Now, uh, it, you think about heating your house at a 28% increase, then gas being over $4 a, 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 a gallon just to get you back and forth to work, not to mention your drive to take the kids to school. Like Christy and I, it's a 30-minute drive to take our kids to school mm-hmm. uh, one way which I say we take because we have we have three teenage boys that are driving, so we don't really do that anymore, but still, right. yeah. uh, you just, you think about that and the cost is added in there. Oh, the average inflation rate is at 13.5% across Oklahoma. It's 8. Um, 8.8, 8.9, something like that across the nation. So Oklahoma is disproportionately at high because of oil and gas industry. So it, 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 people are concerned about their pocketbook. You go to the grocery store, you see the, the amount of cost of everything that's went up. I mean, everything is through the roof. You go to the restaurant, my Lord, yeah. restaurants are, it's $30 to go to McDonald's right now. And, and I'm not saying that, that it's too high. That's just what their prices are. Christy and I, we own a restaurant uh, on top of all the other companies we have. And you can't keep the consistent pricing on the menu. It, it, chicken alone has went up. Um, 110% just for chicken, uh, yeah. not to mention your beef prices. And that's your proteins, right? Uh, your little cups of your little cups of, of extra salad dressing that everybody likes. Used to, we didn't even pay attention to those. Now we figure those cost us a quarter every time we send them out of the kitchen. That's how much the little plastic things are cost. With it. And so it's cost, cost is, is running through the, running rampant through us. And, they, they, and Biden, 
he he said this weekend while he was eating his ice cream um, that the that the economy was 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 strong. Yeah, completely completely tone deaf. Yes, and, and when he starts talking about the the inflation, he says there's zero 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 inflation. <laughs> He doesn't understand what's happening and, and that nor can they admit that it's happening because if they admitted to it, Kyle, then they would have to admit that their policies have failed. Right. And that's not what a socialist country does. That's not what a socialist dictator does. That's not what socialists do. They don't admit that it's their policies. They blame on somebody else and make the argument, this is why we need to be- take control. Because if you had let us take control, we could solve this. But it's these bad people over here that's causing this to happen. And, and at the same time, ignoring the fact that it's their decisions that's drove us to this point. And it's not that hard to fix. The first thing you got to fix for inflation is you got to fix energy. Energy is the backbone of every product. It is the beginning and end of every product. It's the beginning of a product being made. It's the beginning and it's the end of the product being delivered because it takes delivery costs, which is driven by a combustible motor to get it to you. And even if you switch it to electric, you still got to have energy to get it there. You still got to produce energy to charge the vehicle. So energy, you have to have control of energy. And where we're energy independent is when we saw the cost of energy nosedive because we wasn't depending on OPEC and Russia and, and Iran and Venezuela to set the energy costs. We were setting the cost of energy because people want to do business with the United States. And by the way, our energy that we have for these environmentalists out there that may be listening, not that they're probably listening to your podcast, but who knows, <laughs> if, if they're listening you don't, do you understand that Saudi Arabia's oil, Russia's oil, Venezuela's oil, it, the, the heavy crude has a four to one ratio uh, of our sweet, uh, of sweet crude, what you would consider your dirty components uh, that's, that, that's coming out of it when we're refining it. So what is it your argument here? Because we're not reducing our footprint. Right. All we're doing is making us more dependent on foreign countries, which make us very volatile country. And we're costing our economy at the same time. And what's your end game? What are you trying to do? And so you can't even talk about getting the inflation under control if we don't become energy independent and take control of that, that, and which has separated us from the rest of the country or rest of the world for so long because we're such a unique economy inside the United States that we can be completely 100% independent. You think about Europe. Europe doesn't have the ability to control their own energy. Mm-hmm. Neither does China, and and so you look at the United States, and we could be completely energy independent, not not worried about what OPEC or Russia does, but we don't do it because of failed policies by the Obama administration. And you called it, you call the president tone death, don't tone death. It's policy death too. It, it, he's completely numb to his policies. He's, he's numb to it because he's insulated from it. Again, I don't really think he's running the show. He's more the face. And I mean, what could he have a worse face uh, for, for those types of things? So it's there's other people that, that are pulling the strings. But to, I guess to wrap this up, and again, the, this gets way into the weeds and we just don't have the time to get into it. But whenever the Congress and the White House are of different parties, I know a lot of the policy making and a lot of the executive orders, they obviously come from the executive branch, but from the legislative branch, what are some things that you will be able to do to kind of curtail some of the decisions being made from the White House, but then also push us towards the energy independent side? Because again, we could be a net exporter of energy. We were under Donald Trump as president. So so what can Congress do if you have both houses? Well, if we have both houses, we could pass legislation, but it won't be signed in the law. 
Of course. Uh, yeah. And it, because we, we, no matter, even if we get pick up 40 seats in the house, we're still not going to have two thirds. So we're not going to be able to override a veto in the, in the house, much less the Senate. The Senate's definitely not going to have two thirds. We're only going to have 60. So um, we can pass legislation, but there's not going to be anything that legislative we're going to be able to do to reverse the policies because for it takes legislation to override a, um, an executive order. And for that legislation to go into law, guess who has to sign it? It's the president of the United States who signed the executive order. He can veto it. No one can override it. So it's going to be difficult for us to do anything when it comes to that. Now, what we can do is we can bar the door shut. We can keep a lot of the stuff from going into effect because when we control the House, what we do is in the Senate, when he puts an executive order out, we can just simply not fund it when we go to funding the government. We're not going to fund that executive order. We're not, we're not, we're not going to allow any funds to be used to, to execute that executive order. But it's only, it's only, you can't go back and reverse it, though. You can just keep it from moving forward. So, and it's at, at a, at, so to say, we're more like a doorstop when we don't control the White House. We just, we can just kind of keep bad things from happening. But the, have I broke down the Chevron deference for you? Because this is no. what's important. Okay, so why why all of a sudden do we hear so much about executive orders? Why is executive orders such a big thing? Because our, our founding fathers never intended for the executive branch to be able to make legislation, but they make legislation all the time through what they call executive orders. Well, how did that happen? Why did why did all of a sudden that take place? Because it hasn't been like this always. Reagan couldn't do this. Um, Clinton couldn't do this. Bush forty uh, uh, Bush forty one couldn't do this. Uh, so why is it why is it now that Obama coined the phrase that says I call on Congress to act? If not, I got a pen and a phone. Mm-hmm. We'll go back to Chevron deference. What happened was in an early two thousand, Chevron sued the EPA and asked the court who has final say if if Congress passed legislation and the rulemaking because the rules are wrote by the agencies that have that the that the, that the legislation referred to. If it doesn't line up with Congress's intent, who has final say? And it made it all the way to the Supreme Court. And in 2005, the, the, the Supreme Court basically ruled and said that Congress delegated that authority to the agency, therefore making them the experts. So the experts have final say. That happened in 2005. When Obama came into office, he took co- complete control of that. And instead of them just making rulemaking for, for legislation going forward, he took a, a, a very strong approach to it and said, I can reach all the way back to 1974 to the Clean Water Act or 1972, I think, to the Clean Air Act. I might be wrong on those numbers, maybe 73. I'm really pulling that out, but it was early 70s where, where they come out and they said, well, let's redefine the word navigable bodies of water. Navigable bodies of water was really where does the national or where does our Coast Guard patrol? That's navigable bodies of water. We're going to consider that waters of the U.S. We have no control over that. Obama came in and redefined that by calling it literally intermittent streams. Anything that flows into a body of water that's navigable now has jurisdiction underneath the Clean Water Act. And he did that through executive orders. That made all types of problems for the oil and gas industry and the farming industry. The Clean Air Act with emissions coming out through our, uh, through our power plants. He started going after it and started going back towards the executive orders, going back towards and, and eliminating coal-fired power plants. He did that not through legislation, through executive orders. And so if we're going to make real changes to this, which causes, by the way, when you make changes that quick, our founding fathers wanted government to be dysfunctional because they wanted to move very, very, very slow. We get frustrated 
But when we're dysfunctional and we move slow as a government, that's exactly what our founding fathers wanted us to do. So we didn't have volatility in the in, in inside the country where you didn't have ups and downs because you could have one ruling party come in and make sudden changes to it all of a sudden. But that's exactly what we have with executive orders because you can have one president that can come into office on January 20th, undo all executive orders that were put in place and put the whole country into a tailspin, which is what happened in, 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 uh, in January 20th of 2021, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to go back and have the court relook at that. And we have a court now that is different than it was in 2005. We have a court now that's making some very landmark decisions and undoing landmark decisions. They're, they're making very bold decisions and saying, wait, the court got it wrong. And I've been talking to industries all across the United States saying someone's going to have to re-challenge this lawsuit, not necessarily bring up the Chevron deference, but somebody's going to have to sue, even if it's the, even if it's the medical industry suing HHS or CMS saying we need to relook at this because this is outside of Congress's intent to get that relooked at and reverse. And then we can quit the volatility that happens with executive orders. And that's a huge role because what going back to what you said, what Congress's role then would be is they could show the court what their intent is. Congress could make could pass legislation that mirrors a lawsuit that is being sued and it's being asked that says, yes, Congress agrees with this outside the president. We need to take the authority back away from the president, put it back in the legislative branch, not the executive branch, the legislative branch. And so both chambers could pass it, even though it doesn't get signed by law, it says a signal to the to the uh, to the Supreme Court when they're making the ruling saying Congress agrees with what the lawsuit is, is asking. Well, and even beyond that, Mark Wayne, just and we saw this within a week of Joe Biden taking office, most of Trump's executive orders just disappeared into the ether. And the same would happen if Joe Biden is not elected to a second term. And like, I hate that precedent of like, hey, let's just do this with the pen. And so uh, one thing that I wanted to get to before we got you out of here, because there was something interesting that happened last week, and it was all anyone could talk about for for three or four days. And it was that Tulsi Gabbard basically gave the finger to the Democratic Party and said, peace, I'm out. And that's an interesting thing, because you obviously know Tulsi, you're friends with her, you you worked together with her when she was in Congress. Y'all actually, I think, uh, wrote a bill together. I think it had to do with Title IX. I'm, I might be getting the details fuzzy, but y'all, y'all did a bipartisan bill to get some things done. Now, this is what I will say before, before you answer and give me your thoughts on this. I've said before, and I've said on this show, whenever she was doing the, I'm the anti-establishment Democrat thing, I didn't think it was that impressive because like Republicans were like, oh my gosh, hanging on every word she would say. And it's like, guys, She's just saying things that are reasonable, but she's definitely a Democrat. Like she's, she's not good on gun policy. She's not good on abortion. She's not good on immigration. She's not good on these things, but she does say some things that are completely counter to the nonsense woke narrative that we get from most of the Democrats that are currently in Congress. And so kind of a whirlwind. It seems like she's taken off the chains of some of the things she's been able to say, went on Joe Rogan last week, went on Tucker Carlson. She's been making the rounds. What are your thoughts on her leaving the Democratic Party in the way that she did? Do you think she'll eventually run again for office as a libertarian or, or a Republican? Or is she going to make up her own party? What do you think is going to be the future for her? Well, Tulsi isn't just a friend. She, she'd call me her brother and I'd call her my sister. Uh, we're very close. We're very close to the family. Her husband, Abraham, is a very good friend of mine. Um, uh, my, my daughter wants to go live in Hawaii with, uh, with Hawaii or with Tulsi and, and be her nanny when she has kids. Uh, I mean, that's how, I mean, her father's an outstanding person. Her sister was a U.S. Marshal and so was her brother-in-law. Great people. We, we have broke bread many, 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 many times together, We've done trips together. So in fact, she's going to be here, uh, uh, a week from tomorrow. 
and we'll do, do be doing events with a stain right here in the house with us. Um, that's how, so when I say sister, she's very close. We're going to be doing an event um, on uh, 26 uh, in Tulsa and the 25th in uh, Oklahoma City will be a lunch and a dinner. Oklahoma City will be a dinner or lunch and then, the, then Tulsa will be a dinner. And so uh, I've known this was coming for a while. Uh, to be quite frank, we knew she was going to leave the party probably a year plus ago. Mm-hmm. I would say really, I'd say really close to after she lost her presidential bid uh, for for to be a Democrat, um, uh, not uh, the Democrat uh, nominee. And uh, and I, I believe she's going to become an independent. If I were to guess, now we haven't had those exact words, so we're mm-hmm. not. I'm not saying I'm not trying to give you a week and say this is what she said. If I were to guess, I have never pushed her on this subject because there is some political differences between us. My thing is, is that I'm okay with having political differences with you as long as you love that flag as much as I do that's behind me. No one can argue the fact her dedication to this country. We can argue political points. We we can argue what what where we make decisions, but we all make decisions based on two things: where you're raised. And 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 our and our and our uh, uh, experiences growing up, and those 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 things don't change. And so we're raised different, and our experiences growing up, our life experiences growing up has been different. So we do have differences, but she loves a country for sure. So we, we I don't really talk real heavy politics with her, just on the top lines, and then some issues we agree, and we just kind of move into it. And so um, I would think she'd become an independent. And I don't know if she'll run for office again or not. Uh, she does such a phenomenal job. I don't know if you saw when she filled in for Tucker Carlson. She yeah. just she kicked it out of the park. I mean, yeah, she, she's got a knack for it for sure. Yeah. And so I can see where she could probably get a a, a, a big deal um, on a, on a, on Fox or I don't know, it was Newsmax. I don't know who'll pick her up, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody didn't pick her up and paid her pretty good money, and probably maybe keep her out of politics. But I know she has a desire to serve and she wants to serve. That's her heart. She has a desire to serve in whatever capacity that would be. And if she made a decision to go do a talk show, it wouldn't necessarily mean it for the funding, for the money of it. She doesn't chase that. It, she's very unique, very different when it comes to that. It would be where she is in the best position to affect policy to what she believes in the most. And um, and so she ran for office because that's what she decided to do. She decided to go towards the towards the speaking route, then it's because she think, thinks she can be more effective that way. And by the way, what she's doing right now has been dang effective. No one, I've never heard anybody break down the current Democrat party the way that she did and dissect it in a manner that made sense without actually coming like she had a vendetta against them. She, wasn't, she didn't come across angry at them, Kyle. She just said, this is the facts, follow it. And, and I was very impressed and proud of her. Well, Mark, when she did it in 90 seconds in a video that had millions of views after its first date, but this was the interesting thing about her leaving the Democratic Party. And I, I'm not the, the one that thought of this. Someone else said it and I, I'd love to give him credit, but I can't remember. But typically when people leave the Republican Party, they have one name on their lips and it's Trump. Oh, I can't do anything because of Trump. And Trump did this and Trump said this and he's orange and he's bad. So they always say Trump. She managed to do a 90 second little soliloquy on why she's leaving the Democratic Party and she named no names. Because she didn't need to. She didn't need to say Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders or Kamala Harris or Hillary Clinton. All she had to say was, this is what this part of the polls, uh, part of the party rather has devolved to. Here's what they actually believe. And guess what? All the people that were mad at her, 
No one was able to disagree with or quibble with what she said. They were just mad that she said it out loud. But, you know, we're not going to keep going on Tulsi. We can probably talk about her later on. We're actually running up against time. But this is your last plea, Mark Wayne. This is your last plea to the people of Oklahoma that are potentially, maybe they're on the fence. Maybe they don't know what they're going to do on November the 8th. And so this is your last time where you can tell them, hey, guys, this is why you should pull the lever for Mark Wayne Mullen on November the 8th. Well, our country's our, our country's too valuable for us to lose it. Uh, so losing is not an option. And guys, I don't lose. Uh, I, I'm allergic to it. Uh, I'd rather die than ever quit. And so my fight for this country is still that. I get I, I have the best I have the best of both worlds. Uh, and what I mean by that is is I get to do this. This isn't something I have to do. I get to do this. It's not my livelihood. And then behind that, I got a strong family with my wife and my kids that aren't just okay with me being in the fight. They're in the fight with me. Yeah. And let me tell you, if I got those priorities right, then I'm good to go. And so, um, guys, I'm, I'm, I, losing is not an option. And I'm all in. I need you guys to join me because no one's going to fight harder than me. All right. That's all for me. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? Kyle, I appreciate you, man. Always love being on your show. Mark Wayne Mullen, thank you for coming back on Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. Thank you. There you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed the return appearance of Mark Wayne Mullen on the show. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. And just a reminder, go to Origins website. So that is in the show notes here. Go to OriginMain or OriginUSA.com to check out the full line of Origin and Jocko Fuel products. That's geese, jeans, boots, protein, energy drink, supplements, and a whole lot more. Use my promo code Kyle to get 10% off your order. Just my first name, K-Y-L-E. And the links I've got for you today, I've got a link to Mark Wayne for Senate. So this is the final push. Go to his website. If you're on the fence, Okies, go to his website. I absolutely give him my full endorsement. I think you should vote for Mark Wayne on November the 8th. Go to his website to see why you should like that as well. And then I'll put a link to his other appearances on the show in the show notes as well. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. We do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, Keep seeking the Lion of Judah.